Our text this morning for this entire series, actually over the next four weeks, is Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 12 through 31. And in that verse of Scripture, in those several verses, God asks a series of questions that are meant to kind of blow your mind uh, about how big He really is. And so we called this series Incomparable. And it, it just means God is matchless. And last week, we, our sermon title was Image is Everything. Because when it comes to following God, everything you do, every aspect of your Christian life is a direct result of your image of God. We, we talk big and sing big about God, but what we really believe about God lays underneath the rubble, as A.W. Tozer said, beneath the rubble of religious notion. And it takes a long time to get down into the core of our hearts to really find out what we believe about God. But when we get down there, a lot of times what we believe about God in our hearts is a lot smaller than what we profess with our mouth. And when you have a small perception or concept or image of God, you have small faith and you take small risk and or no risk at all, or you pray small prayers. A church that has a small image of God maintains mediocrity and, and maintains the status quo. You, you when, when your God is big, you take leaps of faith and, and you pray audacious prayers. Every aspect of your life is connected to your image image, your concept, your perception of God. So if you weren't with us last week, I challenge you to go back, look at the podcast, watch the the video online, and let your faith be increased as to the size and the majesty of God. I wasn't able to spend a lot of time on the vastness or the expanse of God out of Isaiah 40 last week. So I said, this week we're going to dedicate the entire sermon to big. That's all it's going to be. We're just going to talk about the expanse, the vastness, the size, the majesty of God. That's what we're going to do today. Next week in the Incomparable series, the title of the sermon is Magnify. And we're going to spend an entire day examining in the Word about worship. What does worship do? Does worship change God? Does worship change us? And how do you magnify a God who is already so large that He is incomprehensible? And so we're going to talk about the nature of worship when you think about it in the light of how small we are and how big God really is. And I really don't want you to miss out on a biblical exposition or a biblical look into what worship is when you understand how big God really is in a sermon entitled Magnify. Today is simply a concept of big. And as I started praying for this sermon a few weeks ago, I, uh, I started researching and I was reminded in my research of a video that was produced years ago by Louis Giglio on uh, the topic. It was called Indescribable, actually. And, and it is a DVD that you can purchase. And I really challenge you to get it because I don't have time this morning to go into a lot of detail here. I'm just going to show you a few images and and talk about a few things that I pulled off of the DVD and and mixed them with some of my own thoughts and my own revelation. But I really challenge you to get the the video, the DVD, uh, Indescribable by Lou Giglio, because there's so much more that is talked about there that will increase your capacity to understand the biblical revelation of God for who He really is. Last week, I told you that God was incomparable. But how do we know that? How do we know that God is really incomparable? All you have to do is to walk outside on a dark night and look up into the sky and you can begin to see how incomparable our God really is. 
I can remember when I moved to Texas, just literally, I'd always heard everything was bigger in Texas, and I, I never really, you know, um, I, I thought that was just like a ridiculous uh, a cliche, but when I, when, I, when I was driving here, literally moving here, traveling in the darkness of night, it was a crisp, cool night, I mean, you could see stars in the sky, and when I was out in East Texas driving this way on Interstate 30, and there was nothing competing with my view, no city lights, and I was able to see, and it just seemed to me like the sky really is bigger in Texas. I don't know if, if it's because in Arkansas there are so many trees that block your view, but I just have been at awe at the majesty of God looking up from Texas to the, the bright expanse of God's creation. And it yells at us at His majesty and His splendor. All you got to do is walk outside on a clear dark night and look up and the heavens scream to you that our God is incomparable. The psalmist says the heavens are telling us of the glory of God and they are shouting back to all of us that are looking up at them and telling us of God's size, His majesty, and His splendor. And the stars are saying to us, Your God is massive. Your God is big. Your God is huge. Listen to what they say. Psalm 19 and 1, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. And they are revealing the understanding, the capacity, the greatness, the splendor of our God. They are telling us that He is bigger than our wildest dreams. He is bigger than our riskiest step of faith. He is bigger than our biggest problem. He is bigger than our deepest sin. He is bigger than our intellect can even fathom. They are saying to us like a billboard that is flashing every night. They are telling us, do not count Him out. Do not underestimate Him. Do not sell Him short. The heavens are a billboard declaring to us every night, your God is is huge. He's big. The scriptures say in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created. Now they say a lot more, but that is a huge statement. In the beginning God created. Science, some in science tell us that there was a big bang, and, and I agree with that. I believe when God opened His mouth and spoke it, bang, man. I mean, when He opened His mouth to hang the stars in the sky, there was an explosion. When He said, let there be light, there was a blaze of light that came out of His mouth traveling 186,000 miles per second. And for those of you that didn't pay attention in astronomy, that's the speed of light. 186,000 miles per second. Not per hour, not per minute, but per second. And when he said, let there be light, fire, light, an explosion came out of his mouth at 186,000 miles per second. It was a fireworks display like there were none other. I mean, when he opened his mouth, the stars were hung in their sockets and the planets were hung on their axis by the power of his spoken word. The scripture says in Psalm 33, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the water of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere Him. For He spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. 
we call it the known universe. And you'll hear that. NASA scientists, astronomy, they will talk about the known universe. Why? Because there is so much of our universe that we know that is undiscovered and they know there are universes out there that we've not even caught a glimpse of yet. So they refer to the known universe. What that means is we haven't built a telescope big enough to see it all yet. And each time we get a little more sophisticated and build something better, we see a little more than we did the last time. And I think God is up there kind of chuckling at our persistence every time we increase a little more and we are blown away by the images NASA shows us. I think He chuckles because He knows that every universe beyond the one we just built a telescope to see is going to blow our minds even more because it is endless and He is unfathomable. Scientists are stumped because they think the universe is way too large to only have one inhabited planet so they search and they look. They think it's oversized. And I agree. The universe is oversized if all it is is a home for you and me. But if the primary purpose of the universe is not to be a home for you and me, if the primary, what if the primary purpose of the universe was to show off the splendor and the majesty and the size and the glory of the God who created it all? If that's the case, the universe is not too big at all. It's an adequate image reflecting the God that created it. It's the image of its creator and our God is just that big, mirrored by the ever-expanding universe that we don't even understand stand fully within this massive universe we live in one little corner of it called the milky way galaxy that's just one little corner of the massive universe is the milky way galaxy you could call the milky way galaxy the subdivision we live in you thought you lived in woodbridge no you live in the milky way galaxy that is your subdivision inside the universe. And you know what? That subdivision is so large, the, the way you get around in that subdivision is the light year. That's how you calculate distance within the universe that God has created. Uh, let me just think about this, a light year. Speed of light travels at 186,000 miles per second. A beam of light can circle the earth seven times in one second. Okay, so if a beam of light traveled for one year, 365 days, it would travel 5.88 trillion miles in one year. So that's the speed of light in a year, 5.88 trillion miles. So when you get ready to use a measuring stick for God's universe, forget the foot. Okay. The yard or the mile, they are too minuscule to even be considered if you're going to talk about getting around in God's universe. It is so big, you have to use a measuring stick that starts at 5.88 trillion miles long. Our little subdivision within this massive universe consists of billions of stars. Not hundreds, not millions, not hundreds of millions, but billions of stars in our little corner of the universe. And scientists tell us there are hundred billions of other little subdivisions or galaxies in the known universe. So the Milky Way is just one galaxy. Inside that is, is our solar system, which is the cul-de-sac in our subdivision. So the little planets that revolve around our sun is our solar system, which is minuscule within our subdivision. Our subdivision is minuscule within our galaxies and within the universe. There are billions of other galaxies like the Milky Way galaxy. Hundreds of billions. 
I want to I want them to show you a picture of the Milky Way galaxy, just so you'll see what our neighborhood. That's our neighborhood. That's where we live. And they tell us if you could count the stars in the Milky Way galaxy at one per second, it would take you 2,500 years to count all of the stars if you counted them all one second at a time. You want to know how the universe is telling us how big God is? Isaiah chapter 40 verse 25, God says, Who will you compare me to? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up and see who created these. He brings out the starry host by number. He calls all of them by name. Because of His great power and strength, not one of them is missing. What we have to do this morning is right size our God. We need to turn Him up on His end and see Him for who He really is. We need to take the filter off. We need to get a biblical revelation of who He is and right-size our God. He is not our size. He doesn't think the way we think. He is working off of a canvas bigger than we can ever imagine. He is huge. And the heavens are declaring that night and day. They are telling us that God is massive. They are also telling us that we are really, really small. Small does not mean insignificant. They're just telling us that we are small. And while we right-size our God at the same time, we need to right-size our own egos. Because in our I-everything generation, our iPod, our iTouch, our I-everything generation, where, where in humanism has invaded even in our churches and our theology, we have made us the center of the known world. And I think the fall of man, sin, tricked us into thinking as Adam and Eve ate of the tree of good and evil so that they could be like God. The pride that led them to that has invaded through sin the heart of every man and it has tricked us into thinking that we are the center of the universe. And when our status is elevated, God's nature in our lives is diminished and we cannot see Him for who He is. We think less of Him and more of ourselves. And when we elevate ourselves, our mountains are bigger than they should be. Our problems are bigger than they should be our burdens are bigger than they should be and it's because our egos have grown and our God has shrunk we need to right size our God and right size our own egos our little neighborhood is so large that they can't take a one photo you can't get far enough back you know when you're trying to take a picture and you keep backing up to get the get everybody we can't get far enough back it's so big so we have this composite shot of the Milky Way galaxy. I want them to show that to you. It was created by combining hundreds of thousands of individual pictures of the Milky Way galaxy. And if you traveled 186,000 miles per second at the speed of light, it would take you 100,000 years to get from one side of our neighborhood to the other. So if you lived in this cul-de-sac and your friend lived in this cul-de-sac, and you could go at 186,000 miles or 186,000 miles per second, it'd take you 100,000 years to get to your friend's house. That's big. And that's just one little dot in the universe. Now, you say, Pastor, that's my neighborhood. I don't see myself in there. No. Earth is so small that we, you couldn't get a relative picture of Earth. So, this is, this is the sun right here. That, that little big dot underneath that arrow is the sun. Okay? Um, and the sun is a million times bigger than the earth. 
And the earth is 93 million miles that way, a little out there, two-thirds of the way from the center, out there away from the sun. Our little cul-de-sac of our subdivision is right over here in this corner. Our entire solar system cannot be visibly portrayed in this picture because we can't get close enough. But if you want to compare our cul-de-sac, our solar system, to the size of our neighborhood, the Milky Way galaxy, if our solar system was a quarter, the Milky Way galaxy would be the size of the North American continent. What that means is we are, we are not even consequential in our own solar system much less in our own neighborhood, much less in the universe. One of the billions of stars in that galaxy is the sun, but it's not even the biggest star in our own galaxy. And the sun is ordered, uh, orbited by uh, a few planets of our solar system, and the earth is just one of those planets. And I want to show you a picture of the earth taken in 1972 from Apollo 17. It's a famous photograph of the earth. If you look at it, Africa is about mid-center, Cape of Good Hope, and you have the Sahara Desert here, uh, the Sinai Peninsula right there, the Mediterranean Sea is at the top left edge of that image. And when you look at this picture and you remove yourself from your universe and you, you look back, there's no neighborhoods, no yards, no, no, no pets, no, no backyard fences, there's no cars, no asphalt, you don't see any uh, countries or capitals, no, no dictators or kings, there's no glamour, no glitz, no people, no pain, no joy, no sorrow. When you step back and see it for what it is, we realize that maybe we're not as big as we think we are, but the God who made all of this must be massive Neil Armstrong the first man on the moon was on Apollo 11 and he said this I remember on the trip home on Apollo 11 it suddenly struck me that that tiny pea pretty and blue was the earth I put up my thumb and I shut one eye and my thumb blotted out planet earth I didn't feel like a giant I felt very very small I think the psalmist got it right in Psalm 8 when he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care of him? In 1977, we launched an unmanned spacecraft called the Voyager. And the Voyager was only supposed to uh, study a couple areas of our solar system, but as it began to move further and further away from our planet, uh, we started getting images away from the Earth. They started taking pictures, and some of the pictures that we have that are furthest away that we've ever been. And in June 12th, NASA said, June 12th of this year, that the Voyager may be the first uh, uh, human-made craft to ever leave our solar system. And that, that could happen soon. It's been traveling since 1977. Thirteen years after it was put out to space, it was 3.7 billion miles away, and it looked back and took a picture of the earth. Okay, so it took 60 images. Click, 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 click. 3.7 billion miles away. 60 images. In every one of those 60 images, there were 640,000 pixels. It took five and a half hours for one pixel to get downloaded. You thought you had dial-up problems, buddy. That's slow. It took months for these 60 images that created a panoramic view. And I, it, 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 I'm going to show it to you. You're like, really? 
That looks like the one I took at Walmart. My thumb was over the smudge and you throw it away. But this image, and it's not good on our screens. Our, I don't, we don't have a, a high definition projector so, and the lighting here. But it, you can see a ray of light here and there's some green and reds over here and there are rays of light. And what those rays of light are is the sun reflecting off of the Voyager as it turns to begin taking these 60 images of 640,000 pixels apiece. It took months to download and they, they created this and when astronomers saw it, it, it's become a famous picture. It stunned astronomers because of that pale blue dot and you can you can hardly even see it and but it's right there at the end of that in the high def pictures you can see it a little better but there is a faint image and it's known as the pale blue dot if you google it you can see a better image of how just inside and that pale blue dot in that ray of sunlight from 3.7 billion miles away is planet earth Carl Sagan, who doesn't share our worldview of a creator. Carl Sagan was a famous astronomer and he said, a scientist, he said, we succeeded in taking that picture from deep space and if you look at it, you see a dot, that's here, that's home, that's us. On it, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being you've ever, who's ever lived, lived out their lives on that dot. The aggregate of all of our joys and sufferings, thousands of confident religions, ideologies and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilizations, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every hopeful child, every mother and father, every inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species, live there on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. You say, Pastor, you're making us feel really small. I'm not trying to make you feel really small. I'm trying to convince you that you are really small. But our smallness is not insignificant. It's a significant insignificance because while we are small and compared to the vastness of the ever-expanding universe we are prized by majesty we are significantly insignificant because we have been prized by the creator of all of this he sent out for us he searched for us even though we are frail people on a tiny speck of dust flying through the vast cosmos he created he knows every one of us by name just like he numbered and named the stars he could start in this building and begin to call you by name he's got your hair numbered he knows you more intimately than you know yourself and it is hard and almost unimaginable to believe that a God who is that massive who is that expansive who is that large could actually be that personal and that intimate but he could start in the balcony and walk across this room and call you by name you are not a social security number you are not a student ID number you are not a driver's license number you are not a tag 
You are a named creation by God. And He hangs the stars in the sky. He knows them all by name. And there's not one of them missing. And yet out of all of the beautiful expanse of creation, you are His prized peace. And He searches for you. He runs after you. He longs to fellowship with you. He knows my name. I don't know what that does to you, but as I was thinking about this this morning in my office and I was going through these slides and working through this information, my, He wants to hang out with me. I mean, this big, massive, expansive God knows my thoughts before I think them. I want to show you a couple more things here. Um, let me just show you the, the sun, a picture of the sun. It's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's raging intensity. It's like millions of nuclear bombs going off at the same time. And it takes only seconds for the light of that sun to reach the earth. It's 93 million miles away from us. And it takes only seconds for that light to reach us. And it's going to get us here today hot at 105 and that came out of the mouth of God. <laughs> Friend, He is not petty. He is not small. He is not unable. He is not weak. He is not incapable. He is not limited. That 10,000 degree fireball came out of the mouth of God when He said, Let there be light. And it's just one of the smaller stars in our galaxy. And at the same time, He created billions of other galaxies. He is unfathomable. And He's able. All of a sudden, when you think of God this way, impossible isn't impossible. Your lack isn't too big. Your sickness isn't too large. The mountain in your way isn't in His way at all. The sun is a million times the size of earth. If earth was the size of a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. 960,000 earths, to be exact, would fit inside the sun. It would take the gross national product of the United States, which is everything we produce in an entire year, seven million years worth of the GNP of the United States could power the sun for one second. Seven million years of the GNP of the United States of America could fire up the sun for one second. And he just said, give me light. That's why the centurion said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. The sun is just one of the billions of stars in our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy, which is just one of the hundreds of billions of galaxies in the universe. Here's the last image. It's a constellation called Pleiades and it's one that is referenced a lot in the Bible along with Orion and along with Bear and it's referenced in various places and 
and it is 440 light years away from us. That means if you're traveling 186,000 miles per second and you travel that fast for an entire year, it'll take you 440 years to get there. Job said in Job 38, Can you bind the chains of the cluster of stars called Pleiades or loose the cords of the constellation Orion? Can you lead forth the signs of the zodiac in their season or can you guide the stars of the bear with her young? Can you tie up Pleiades? Can you loose Pallades? It's a rhetorical question. Obviously you can't. But there's one who hung it there. Isaiah 40 and 12. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. Or with the breath of his hand marked off the heaven. Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket. Or weighed the mountains on scales. We need to right size. God... We need to right size our egos, find out where we fit. And when you look at it like this from the outside in, we are terribly insignificant. But we are significantly insignificant because the Creator of all of this knows my name. We were in a big convention, lots of people, and I can't remember even who it was, but I was walking with my daughter and somebody had met my daughter at a at another place, a church meeting. It was a kind of an important guy that holds a position and he walked up and called her by name, said, Hey Addie, how are you? And when he walked off, I explained to Addie who he was and, and she said, He knows my name. It's it means something when somebody important knows your name. And that, he was just a man who held a measly position in, in, in a created uh, entity, an organization, and yet here's the God of the universe that knows you intimately better than you know yourself. In, on my Facebook page, Josh Ostertag posted a quote from John Piper out of a, one of his books. I thought it was very fitting today. Let me... Let me read you John Piper's statement. God is holy in His absolute uniqueness. Everything else belongs to a class. We are human. Rover is a dog. The oak is a tree. Earth is a planet. The Milky Way is one of a billion galaxies. Gabriel is an angel. Satan is a demon. But only God is God. And therefore, He is holy. Utterly different, distinct, unique. All else is creation. He alone creates. All else begins. He alone always was. All else depends. He alone is self-sufficient. Diamonds are valuable because they are, are rare and hard to make. God is infinitely valuable because He is the rarest of all beings and cannot be made at all, nor was He ever made. He's incomparable. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 25 says, To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. When you right-size God, see Him for who He really is. It helps you humble yourself and right-size your own position in this world. But when you get right-sized in your own position in this world, it helps you right-size your own problems. You right-size all of the junk that's facing you today. When you right-size God and you right-size yourself, it right-sizes your problems and your issues in life. 
Listen, when you understand the size and expanse and majesty of God, it humbles your outlook and you can finally glimpse the magnitude of Christmas. Think about it for a moment. The God that just created all of that shoved all of His glory and splendor into a baby. Did not take a throne, did not conquer with an army, but was laid in a feed trough as a baby. All of a sudden, Christmas has always meant something. But when I started seeing God for His size and His majesty and His splendor, all of a sudden, the incarnation meant something. That God came to hang out with us. That's pretty special. And then when you see Him for His splendor and His majesty, His expanse, His size, it humbles your outlook and you finally understand for the first time what Easter's all about. The fact that all of that splendor and all of that majesty and all of that size and all of that expanse will push himself into a baby, grow into a full-grown man, be beaten until he was unrecognizable, hang upon a splintery cross and shed his blood to say to you, yes, I am that big, but I am also this personal and I'm willing to do whatever it takes so you and I can come to know each other. That's pretty amazing. I want you to open your hearts today to the size and the majesty and the splendor of your God. I want you to open your life today to the possibility of what God might be saying to you, I am convinced this morning that I am speaking to people this morning who are running from God, who are away from God, who feel too insignificant, or that God is too big, or you think your sin is too great. And I really believe that the Creator of all of this is pursuing after you, and it is not mere coincidence that you're in this room this morning. Just as it is not mere coincidence that the sun came up today. He is pursuing you to love you, to embrace you, to hold you, to grab you. He wants fellowship with you. And I don't understand that. I don't know why He wants to hang out with me. I don't know why He pursues us. But love compels Him. It drives Him. He could let creation sing His praise and it would last for eternity. But there's a drive inside of His heart to want to be with you. To want to be with me. And then there are those of you today who are carrying burdens and worries and stresses. And all of a sudden when you begin to see Him for who He is, His size, His majesty, His splendor, it dwarfs that mountain. It dwarfs that financial need. It, it, it brings a, a right-sized perspective to that situation that seemed impossible. Because if God is really as big as He says He is, it's not impossible. Impossible is a big word thrown around by small men who don't understand the power of the God who created all of this. I want you to stand with me all over this place. Prayer team, would you position yourselves this morning to pray the prayer of faith and believe God today with people in this room. I believe there's a miracle in this house this morning. Not because there's anything special about this house. Just because God's here decided to hang out with us. Because there is Christmas uh, where all of the glory and splendor. He emptied himself and became a man. I, I just don't get it. I can't, can't understand it.
And then He went to a cross so that broken hearts and sick bodies could appropriate all of that power. There was a translator. He, he kind of was the go-between. You know, I need a translator when I communicate in Spanish. And Jesus said, you know what? That God's so big you can't understand Him. Let me come and become one of you so you can see Him and touch Him and feel Him. And I'll translate for you. I'll translate His power and make it touchable and tangible so that your marriage can be restored and your mountains can be moved and your sickness can be healed and your addictions can be delivered and your sin can be forgiven. He's our go-between, our liaison, and that's what Easter is. And this morning, whether you're running from Jesus as a prodigal, if you've never known Him as your Lord and Savior, or you're a believer that you need a mountain moved today, we are ready to pray for you and trust God for the impossible. Because He's big. He's able. In comparison to Him, What we're going through is significant, but it is small. Just say the word. That's all he has to do. I'm going to pray a blessing over you this morning. And while I pray, if you have need today, there's a special expectancy of faith in this room today. We're going to agree with you. If you need to come to Christ today, you're a prodigal and you've wandered and you need to come back to God today. I want you to follow the tug of the Holy Spirit and even while I pray, respond from the balcony to the floor. There's something special about this moment, about small, frail people coming personally in contact with a really, really big God. The hills melt like wax before Him and I believe your mountain can dissolve just with one spoken word. As I pray this blessing, would you even now begin to respond for prayer before others begin to exit the building? The aisles are open. Respond. Come to Jesus. Bring your need to Him. Believe He is bigger. Father, in the name of Jesus, prodigals, I believe will respond to you today. People that have never known you will come in the relationship with you today. Believers that are carrying mountains that they shouldn't carry. Worries that have blinded their faith today, that have gotten them down, that have lowered their head. Be be the lifter of their heads today. Let us see you and experience you for who you really are. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you will bless them and keep them, that you will make your face shine down upon them, that you will be gracious to them, that you will turn your massive countenance their direction. You will give them peace. Help us see you for who you are, Lord, and let that change everything. In Jesus' name.